2020 gave us a new vocabulary, did it not? That was when uh, the great COVID scare, and I, I picture myself 20 years down the road when I'm a grandpa with kids sitting around and saying, well, back in the day when COVID hit, and we'll, we'll, the stories will go from there. But there are three words that absolutely changed our lives. And I would not have thought of this. I wouldn't have even considered these three words in 2019. But in 2020 and on, they became a reality. And here are the three words that have rocked your world. That's, that's not it. <laughs> supply chain issues. Has anybody been affected by supply chain issues? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, who would have thought, I mean, if you're thinking about investments and how to, you know, how am I going to succeed in this world? In 2019, I would have looked at the stock market. I would have looked at all these other things and investments. In 2021, I was looking at toilet paper, man, because that's barterable, right? When there's a shortage and everybody needs it, man, you've got power. So, or, you know, we, we order cars or, or computers or something and only to find out that the chips aren't being able to be made because the factory workers aren't there. Or, or better yet, you've ordered something and it's circling in a boat out in the bay because there's no workers to unload it. Has anybody ever experienced this frustration? Yeah, almost daily. Is it getting better? I don't know. Not really? No, okay. So we still have supply chain issues. But you know what, as I, I look at this and I, and I look at the spiritual side of this, we also have supply chain issues elsewhere, do we not? Because the supply chain of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. Do you remember the fruit of the Spirit? Do you probably remember that verse as kids where it talks about in Galatians 5, 22. It says, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, peace, joy, love, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things. I don't see a lot of that in the world. So it seems like we have a supply chain issue when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. That's the bad news. good news is we have the answer. I'm going to let us in on a secret today. We have the solution to supply chain issues for the fruit of the Spirit and the state of the world. And if the supply is not getting out, is it God's fault? Is it Jesus' fault? Whose fault is it? And actually, I'm not here to point the fault. I'm actually here to help us fix the state of the world today. Now, I say that like I'm going to do something spectacular. It's nothing that I will say. It's nothing that I will do. It's what Jesus has done and has equipped us to do. So Jesus gives this answer to his disciples as part of his farewell discourse. We're going to be reading out of John 15, uh, verses 1 through 8 in just a minute. But I want to set the stage for what we're about to read. This is part of what they call Jesus' great farewell discourse in chapters 14 through 17. Jesus is preparing his disciples for when he leaves this world physically. He knows that it's a matter of days and he's out of there. And he's got to equip these 12 knuckleheads to, to change the world, to take this mission and do something great. And so he has a deep teaching. It's almost like eating cheesecake, right? You can't eat too much at a time because there's just so much there. It's so deep. And he uses metaphors and analogy. Why? Because they'll remember them. They'll stick with them. He's not given a, a, a dissertation. He's given very practical advice. And that very practical advice still applies to us today. The challenge for us, I think, is that we're not farmers. So when he says things about vines and branches, we, we don't have first-hand experience, but we know enough to know how this works. So in that vein, let's take a look at what Jesus says to his disciples as he is in this farewell discourse. This is John 
15 verses 1 through 8. Listen for the words of Jesus. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. Jesus lays it right out, does he not? I am. We talked about that before. I am is an allusion to the divine nature of Jesus. And his disciples would have understood that. When he says, I am the vine, they would have gotten that too, because they're from an agricultural society. They saw this all the time. They would see uh, the, the grapes growing and the very modern scissors that the disciples used to prove. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't have a lot of pictures in those days, okay? I had to do what I could do, right? But here's the cool thing that I, that I see. There's, there's just so much here. I'm just going to hit a couple of highlights uh, so that we, we get the, the meat of this. This is one of the few I am statements. See, Jesus is saying what he is. This is one of the few I am statements that tells us what we are. Did you catch that? God is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. And who are we? We're the branches. Now, let me ask you, if I were to say in this picture, if you wanted to be any one of those roles, which one would you choose if you could? Who wants to be a branch? Right? How exciting is that? It's not. It's just, I'm sorry, it's just not glorious. But it's essential. And it is essential to the fruit of the Spirit getting to the world, as we'll, as we'll see in a minute. So we have to understand what the roles are here. God is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. And that's just the way that it works. Now the goal, if you caught it, is to bear much fruit. But I always have to ask, to what end? Why should I bear fruit? Why is that even important? Well, it's, it's hugely important, as we'll find in just a minute. But it's not for my glory. Look at the very end. It's for the glory of God. This is all going to come together at the end. But here's the other thing that strikes me. This is, this is a thing that I couldn't get my head around for the longest time. Did you notice in Jesus' story here, everyone gets cut? Look, look if you don't believe me, he, cut, he cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. Okay, well, that makes sense. If it's not doing anything, you, you cut it off. So you're not wasting energy. It just gets thrown away and you're burned in the fire. That makes perfect sense to me, but keep reading. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Okay, wait a minute, guys. Let me make sure I got this right. If I'm not productive, I get cut off. If I'm productive, I get cut off. How does this make sense? Has anybody else wondered this? Okay, clearly you didn't. <laughs> 
right? I, these are the things that I think about. Now, if, if you have been in that situation in life where you've lost something that's important to you or something has been taken away from you, ask yourself at the hindsight of it, is that something God was doing purposely to make you more fruitful? And maybe it is. And maybe it's a subtle thing that gets taken away, or maybe it's a big thing that gets taken away. But it can all point to God's glory if we have the right mindset. The ones that he cuts off, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes to what end? Keep reading, so that it will be even more fruitful. There's this brief moment of time between the pruning and the more fruitful, and that's the time where it sits heavy with us. Because we don't understand, God, why did you take that away? That was my thing, God. That was my shtick. That was how I identified myself. And, and I can almost hear God saying, you don't need to identify yourself as anything other than my child. A child of God. That's the greatest title we can hold. That's the one that lasts forever. That's the one that validates us, gives us purpose and meaning. And sometimes... Things need to be pruned away for us to remember that. And always, when God prunes, it's not an accident. He's the master gardener. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what needs to be taken away so that we can be more fruitful. So maybe this fruitful thing is sounding appealing, but maybe you're not convinced yet. I get it. But why should I be fruitful? It sounds painful. Sometimes it is. If you look at just the moment of the pruning, it's painful. But if you follow the course through, it's more fruitful. And those of us who have had a few trips around the sun and have some experience can see that. So let me just give you this encouragement. If you're in the middle of a time where you've just been pruned, hang in there. Give it to God. Let him make you more fruitful. There is more coming. And if you're fruitful and you still get pruned, Praise God, because you're going to be even more fruitful. But again, to what end? Is it so that I can look good? That's not what I read. The fruit is for the glory of God, and so that the world will know that we are his disciples. And why is that important? Because, folks, we have a supply chain issue. There's this goodness of God that is being stopped up somewhere and not getting out to this crazy world that we live in. And that's us. We are the middleman, if you will. The branch is not, the sin is not glorious, but it is essential. And so the better branch we are, the better world we live in. The better branch we are, the more people see who Jesus is. The better branch we are, the more patience, joy, love, kindness, and gentleness there is in the world. Is anybody convinced that we don't need any of that in the world? Now, as I look at the news, we need like a double helping. So this is our opportunity where there's never been a greater need, there's never been a greater job security for Christians. Because the world needs to hear what we have to say, what Jesus has to say through us. Okay, so now maybe you're convinced this, this fruit is a good thing. How do I do that? Well, he says it right here. It's all about connection. Apart from me, you can do no good thing. Now, here's another sticky wicket in the scripture because you're saying, Bill, I've done all kinds of great things. Uh, Maybe even apart from Jesus. And you may think that's true. 
in the world might think that's true, but let me ask you this. Is this great thing that we do of our own going to last? Is it lasting things that we do, or is it just making us look good for a short time things that we do? So I don't know if you know this, but Jesus lived over 2,000 years ago, and we're still talking about him. Who was the, the governor after Pontius Pilate? I don't know, and that's the point, right? Pontius Pilate was the man, man. He was everything in that region, and then he got replaced, and we don't even know his name. He yielded power that put Jesus to death, and we don't even know who his successor was. He did great things, whoever he was. I don't know. I seriously don't know who succeeded him. But we don't talk about him because he was apart from the kingdom. We wanted people talking about Jesus 2,000 more years down the road. We have to help be that branch, that middleman, that supply chain issue. It's fixed that way. And so Jesus says, remain in me, or your translation may say, abide in me. How do I abide? And what does that look like? Well, it looks like this. When we follow Jesus with our head and heart, and we've talked about this briefly, but John goes again later in 1 John, when he writes an epistle to the church, and he says this, but if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So at some point we have to know Jesus well enough to follow his example. We have to know what Jesus did well enough to follow in his footsteps, but it doesn't end there because we have to know Jesus well enough not just to know what he did, but how he did. I can get a lot of things done, but if love's not in it, God's not seen in it. I can get a lot of things done, but if it's for my credit, and the only reason I'm doing it is that, that's a very poor motive. It probably won't be lasting. How do we connect with Jesus in a way that gets us that knowledge. And here's what I would recommend. Don't just read and pray and serve. Digest. <laughs> okay, there's a left turn, but what do you mean by that? Well, here's the thing. How many people eat? Okay, good. You're still awake. You're still with me. Good. So if I just want to eat, and my goal is to check that off from my thing to do today, then I'm going to throw a Pop-Tart in the toaster. No, wait, I don't have time for that in the microwave. That's quicker, right? So I'm going to throw that Pop-Tart and I'm just going to eat it. Have you ever sat next to someone who can eat in seconds, like an entire meal? It's fascinating. I, a, lot of, a lot of guys who work uh, jobs that are like a first responders and military, man, they just like... Really, did you even chew? Did you even taste what just happened there? Because I don't think so. They just whoop, and they're done. But if it's a, if I'm going back to this pop tart analogy, I just eat pop tarts all the time. I, let me say, I eat pop tarts for ten years. How am I going to be doing? I don't think I'm going to be doing too good. And, and by the way, if I eat a pop tart and then I go run the Boston Marathon, how am I going to be doing? Uh, yeah, nobody wants to see that. Right? But we do it all the time with our spirit, do we not? Let me give you a personal example. Quiet time in the morning, reading the Bible. For a long time, I was doing a, a reading plan that said read between these, you know, read this much per day. And let me, let me just stop and say, I'm not slamming these Bible plans. If it gets you reading the Bible, this is awesome. But here's how I took that in the wrong direction. I was reading the Bible, and I had to make it through a certain amount of chapters in the day, and, and 
and we just read, done. Okay, I'm good, good to go. I never digested what it said. It's like tossing down a Pop-Tart and going on. It never had time to work into my heart. I never had time to really understand not just what Jesus did, but how Jesus did. I didn't meditate on this. I didn't contemplate on this. I was still in the square, and I was feeling good. Well, I'm reading the Bible. I have quiet time. It wasn't making me any more Christ-like. In other words, I was doing all the things to check them off, but there was no fruit. You see the connection. And, and here's the most important part, I think, of all of this. When it comes to that, I was attached to Jesus, but I was not connected. Let me say that again. I was attached to Jesus, but I was not connected. What does fruit that's attached look like? Well, if I'm a branch and I'm being rated on how well I produce fruit, and I'm not, I'm going to go get some fruit and it's going to staple it on my branch. It makes me look good. But it's not fruit, and it's not anything that you want to eat. I can't just attach myself. In fact, here's a quote that I found by accident on the internet, but it, it says something to this situation. It says, learn the difference between connection and attachment. Connection gives you power. Attachment sucks the life out of you. Think about that in your relationships. Are you connected, or are you attached? Connection is power, especially when it comes to this analogy today. We can't attach ourselves artificially to this vine. We have to be connected. And so connected follows everything that we do in our spiritual life. Am I connected to the scripture? Have I taken it in, let it soak? Have I digested what it said? Am I connected in my relations in my family? Or are we just attached? Am I connected to my church? Or am I just attached? I can go out and I can wear the words or a t-shirt and people ask me, what does that mean? And I can tell the story, but are you connected? See, attached is, uh, I, I come and I call this my church home and I come and I do some things and then I go off. Yep. It seems to me like we ought to have a, a mandatory 30-minute rule. If you don't know what I'm talking about, like after you ate, you had to wait 30 minutes before you could go swimming. I think after we hear the Word of God, we should have to wait 30 minutes before we go surf. Because otherwise, we're going to cramp up, and, and the world's going to see something odd out there. We have time to digest. That's all I'm saying. Uh, time to digest here in the heart. And even as we serve, time to digest. Why are we doing this? How is God glorified in this? Is there a way that I can make God central to what's happening? Let me give you one quick example that you can practice right now in about 20 minutes. We're going to pack lunches for faithful kids. And that's a thing that we do. That's a lot. But how we do it can reflect our connection to God. What if as we pack these lunches, we pray for every child, for every bag that goes by that represents, who knows, some child out there that is not going to eat, maybe that doesn't even know Jesus. It represents a child that's in a family situation that maybe we can't even imagine. Or maybe we can, and it's bad. So as you pack lunches today, don't just be attached to the idea. Be connected to the idea. Pray for these kids. Imagine the situations they may find themselves in. Pray for their protection. Pray for someone to give them the good news of Jesus Christ. Pray for peace that passes understanding. Pray for whatever you want to pray for. But don't just throw stuff in the bag and walk off. 
There are so many opportunities that are coming up. Easter, we talked about the Seely Pregnancy Center. We talked about other ways we are in this community, but let's not be attached to the community we're served. Let's be connected. This is why everything that we do, we follow the 2R model. We call it repeatable and relational. Now, we can do all kinds of service projects. We can go write a check to some organization. I call that drive-by gracing. Right? Just drive by, throw some like, hey, God bless you, and I'm on. But you know what? When you repeat something and you get to know people and you get to know their stories and you build a relationship and you're in that, you're connected with that, there is the opportunity then to connect them to Christ. Otherwise, we risk losing the opportunity to make God famous, to bring God to the world. That's always a risk, and it's something that I think I go through, I blow through. I'm, kind of a task-oriented person. I'll apologize in advance if I've offended anyone, but sometimes it's just about me getting the mission done and on to the next thing. If I've stepped on your toes, I'm sorry. I'm trying to get better at that. Because I want to be connected. I want to be that branch that bears much fruit to the glory of God. That's my foremost desire, but I'm human and I'm not very good at it. I'm working on it. Let me give you an example of what this looks like in real life. You may be familiar with the disciples Peter and Judas. And even as I say their names, you already have something in mind. But I want to talk to the end of Jesus' physical time on earth, the story right there. When you look at Peter, who denied Christ three times, and you look at Jesus, Judas, who turned Jesus in. And you know what the primary difference, you know how their stories ended, right? Peter asks for forgiveness, he becomes the rock, he becomes the church. Judas, on the other hand, himself. And here's why. Judas was attached. Peter was connected. Folks, we have a supply chain issue. Those three words rocked our world back in the day and are still affecting our lives. We have a supply chain issue. But in the spiritual realm, we have a supply chain issue too. And rather than focus on the supply chain issue, I want to give you three other words that will completely transform our lives, completely transform our families, completely transform our communities in the world. And those three words are abide in me. So words here, we have a choice. We can ignore Jesus. We can attach to Jesus. Or we can be connected to Jesus. Only one of them is going to solve all the problems of the world. Only one of them is going to bring the peace that passes understanding. Only one of them is going to give us the strength to carry on, no matter if we're in the start of the pruning process or the start of the fruit process. Only one rings true to Jesus, because he is the only one that will take us there. Will you pray with me? God, again, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We can't even imagine what he went through. But we're so glad that he didn't. We can't imagine the betrayal that he felt, the pain that he suffered, the un injustice, injustice that he suffered. And God, uh, I'm fascinated by the fact that he never had to do this. He chose to do this for us. So God, we're all even more grateful, even more thankful for the gift that he freely gave. God, help us to connect that and not 
In Jesus' name I pray.